What is up, everybody? Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Panthers Nation Network. Boy, doesn't that Let's just go. roll right Let's off the go. tongue, guys? Oh, it sounds beautiful. You know, doesn't that just roll right off of the tongue? That sounds like what we should have been doing this whole whole time. Now, I'll preface this with saying we are incredibly thankful for everything that the Brawl Network was able to do for us, the opportunity they gave us. Uh, Shantice and I were talking about it about a year ago around this time. Shantice and I we didn't even know each other that well. We were just talking about the Panthers before class and, you know, either complaining or talking about the game. And then one day we were like, you know, we need to start a Panthers podcast. Had no idea how to do it. And thankfully enough, you know, Austin Fogelstad, he reached out to my father who reached out to us and Tyler. And now we've got that. And now we've, we've, we've gotten this great opportunity. So we want to thank the, uh, you know, the broad network and also thank um, Ian Dominic Walters and uh, the Panthers nation for allowing us to, to join on and merge with them because guys, this is going to be, this is going to be something that's really awesome. So we're thankful to everyone who's listened, you know, while we were on the Brawl Network and the Panthers Brawl, and everyone is going to come over to here because, you know, this is this is this is good. And I wish, I wish we could be starting on a better note, but it wouldn't be the Panthers if we were starting on a better note. So, um, as we'll talk about last night, guys, you know, that was a. I said uh, we're going to sound. So this rep, this podcast is going to sound like a broken record this time for anyone who's been listening because it's it's going to be the same. That was a heartbreaking loss. It was another heartbreaking loss. Any most Panthers fans will tell you you're not going to sweep the Falcons, no matter how good your team is. Shanti, we, we know this. Yeah, yeah, we've been, uh, you know, have quite have a lot, we've had a lot of success with Panther fans, and that's uh, that's the one thing we don't we don't seem to do well. You know, that's just, it seems to always evade us. And again, it it rained true. I mean, we had our chances, blew it. As you know, as, as what would you expect from the Panthers when when you know when being successful right there on, right there on the tip of your tongue? So you know, eh, is what it is. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now, and I'm it's I know it's super early, but I said it last night. We need to spend every single one of our draft picks on offensive linemen. I I, I can't with this team, Tyler. Like, just talk about what you saw, especially from the O line last night. Oh, we got destroyed. Um, and we talked about it um, in the last episode how the first few weeks of the season, you know, we we're playing with good tempo on offense and good rhythm, and we were able to kind of mask that offensive line against. You know, we didn't play the best pass rushers in the world. Um, start of the season, but now that we're starting to face some, you know, especially the interior guys, Grady Jarrett, he had a day yesterday against our interior line, which, you know, it would be nice to have someone like Trey Turner in there. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, so, yeah, Jack, Jack's thing is, you know, we got to draft all offensive line this year. Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, seven picks on the, on the line. Someone's got to hit, right? So um, definitely that's going to be, hopefully, we'll see that. You would think. Um, probably not, though, right? Knowing, knowing Gettleman, it probably won't work out. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we need to definitely somewhere we need to work on in the offseason because that was that was one of the main reasons we why we lost that game. You know, Grady Jarrett, Dante Fowler, they were, you know, getting to Teddy. We got to keep him clean in the pocket. It's just, and I, I mean, Jeff, it's to the point where I want to bring Nate, you know, my youngest brother on who's working as a lineman now <laughs> trying to start a varsity. And he would tell you how simple it is to block the A gap and how important that is. But for some reason last night, we didn't even touch Grady Jarrett. When he was coming into the backfield, it was how aggravating is that to watch, especially for someone now like you who's been learning a lot about the O line this past couple of years. Well, listen, it, it all starts there. You, you, I mean, your run game, your pass game, it's all going to start from right there. And, and it just becomes, you know, it was frustrating because um, I, a lot of people, and we're going to expand on this probably a little bit, but, you know, Teddy Bridgewater got knocked to the ground 11 times. 11 times he got knocked to the ground, and I kept going, he's going to get hurt. Not the way he ended up getting hurt, which we'll talk about, but. I'm like, you know, and, and you're right. It's the A-gap. It wasn't the safeties blitzing, although they did do that a couple times or the corners blitzing. You're, you're blocking the A-gap. It's something you've done since you were in high school. So it, to see that time after time and not make the adjustments or you just don't have the talent to do it, which you mentioned, hey, let's just draft the O-line. Um, they got some issues. And I'll put it to you like this. There are maybe two or three quarterbacks that would have survived last night in the NFL. That start right now. <laughs> so it, disappointing to say the least. And I don't know what, like, and so Pat Meyer, Panthers offensive line coach, he needs to go. I'm sorry. He needs to be out of there because if you're like, and, and Tyler talked about it. We get, we play these deceptive games where we lock down, you know, we play these not great defensive fronts. Like uh, we were talking, the best one we probably would have played was against the Bucks. They ran all over us. Bears, they ran all over us. The Chargers was the only one that we actually played well against. But even that game, Joey Bosa went out early in that game. So you're not even, and it's, we've done this for years. It, it speaks back to, you know, that 2015 season. O-line looked great. O-line looked awesome. Come to, like we were able to, you know, double team, didn't have to double team JJ Watt. He didn't get any, you know, sacks against the Panthers when we played the Texans that game. Then we get to the Super Bowl 
and play the best defense in, in the NFL in that year. And we see how truly awful our offensive line was that game. And it's something to where I will argue, you know, that that offensive line lost us that game. And I think the offensive line tonight lost us or last night lost that game for us. I like it's gotten to the point where I don't even think having McCaffrey in last night would have helped. It I really would. don't know. It really wouldn't. And, and it speaks to what we talked about in the offseason, like early in the offseason when they made this move, when you trade away Trey Turner for an aging Russell Okun. And at the time, we didn't understand it then. And you look at look at what's the, what the problem is now. Your interior line is bad. And here's the thing. When you have left, we have tackles that aren't as up to par, you can kind of mask it. You can throw a tight end over there. You can chip a defensive end. You can do things. When, you're, when you play that guard position and you got one-on-one with an Aaron Donald, one-on-one with a – you know, who else is a great interior pass rush? You, I mean, you th- think about Keem Hicks, but guys like that. You can't max that, and you and you keep seeing that when teams – what teams have started to do now, they're blitzing, just blitz. We're going to blitz, and we're going to press up on the receivers, take away the intermediate game. There's no more slants, no more drag routes. You're going to have to go over the top, and if you can't protect, we're going to get your quarterback. And, it, and you saw it last night. Teddy Bridgewater spent most of the time on the picking himself up off the ground because your offensive line cannot protect on the, in the interior. It was even like uh, towards that last series where they had literally seven guys in the in the, you know in the defensive zone in the way back. They were only rushing four, and Teddy still barely had any time to throw the ball. And I'm like, are you, you can't. You're a man up, and you still can't. And also, Paratus, this is something. This is a bit of Paratus has to go too. Yeah. I thought it was a good pickup when we had him, but there was you saw plays last night where Paratus wasn't even touching Grady Jarrett or wasn't even touching anybody coming. Like Deion Jones had how many free shots to Teddy last oh, night? God. It, it was it was bad. I was worried that Teddy was gonna get hurt on one of those on one of those free shots that he took. Ended up being something that it, he ended up getting hurt on a play that I just wouldn't have thought that that would have been the case. But at some point, you knew it was gonna happen. Like at some point, when you keep like there was one play, Jones, uh, Deion Jones is is, is, is blessing the a gap. Paradis, he like he like closed his eyes and just you know just closed his eyes and just threw his arms out there and just and in hopes to grab something. I mean, I think you need to take every single lineman on that team, make them watch the blind side, bring in Michael Orr, just to be like, hey, do your job. The fact that, like, it's also we forget because that's a huge meme that we just we had Michael Orr for the for a while. I think it's just, I just thought about it the other day. And I was like, because I was thinking back to Panthers offensive linemen and just some of the ups and downs and your Jordan Grosses and then your Jeff Otas. So like, just the the wide <laughs> range of offensive linemen we've had. But like, and Brady needs to change his tune. He needs to change his tune. I don't. I understand. I still like he had an upswing and I was kind of going back down on a downswing. There's some plays he needs to call. And I think he plays well to the strengths of the weapons that we have on offense, but he doesn't calibrate to how crappy our offensive line is. And Tyler, talk about how, you know, how disconcerting and how counterintuitive that can be to a productive offensive game. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about, that starts up front. So we can do a lot of, you know, getting the ball in space to our um, weapons on offense. That's been something we've done pretty well. Um, minus the, the screenplay that we all hate, um, that we always keep running with our line. Um, if you're listening to this, you probably know what we're talking about. That needs to be scrapped from the playbook. Um, but yeah, no, I think, um, you know, last night wasn't a great example of it, but I think overall we've been getting the ball to our guys in space, which has been paying off, and that's been, you know, what our offense is made of lately. It was nice to see Curtis Samuel, you know, get some touches in the backfield in a creative way. I mean, he looked, he looked real good at running back, and he also had a receiving touchdown, but, you know, that's not going to hold up very long if you don't have the offensive line to maintain. So we might have a couple of big weeks of, you know, big offensive production, but without an offensive line to really, um, you know, create the foundation of that offense, it's going to be hard to sustain, have sustained success on offense and really make a, you know, a playoff run. Not That's not going well, to be us this year. We're not going to be able to make the playoff run with that offensive line. And when you talk about Brady making some calls and stuff, you know, obviously two gutsy calls on the fourth downs. Uh, the fourth down in the third quarter when you're on their side of the ball. They're, you're on their side of the 50, but you run a stretch play. You know, your offensive line has done nothing. Why aren't you running straight up the middle? That's what I don't get is you, you try to run a stretch play, and Davis can get you what they need, I think, was a yard. And I get it. But that play to me, yeah, the screen plays, and then when you run – if you're going to stretch it out in the NFL, you better have somebody who's going to get there and have the line that can stretch it out, and they don't. No. And that's what Brady needs to realize is that we don't have the offensive line to facilitate these kind of plays. That's not going to pan out for you. Like the reason we had 
the reason the fourth down conversions worked in the Cam Newton era was because of Cam Newton. And the reason it's worked so a little right. bit in the past, and I like that he's still being aggressive. I, I do enjoy that. But then you've got to have – you have to have to co that communication. And I know I've said in the past where, you know, like it comes down a lot of times to the quarterback. Like I've said it in the past where, like, the quarterback's got to be the one driving down that field. In this instance – I mean, the O-line still plays a huge factor. This is the last thing we'll say about the O-line and we'll get off of it because I can talk about the O-line issues that we've had for forever. I, I, can every, every, I can do a whole different podcast about how bad our <laughs> offensive line is. And I'll, I'll attest it to you, and if you haven't listened to us before, we do make a lot of comparison with the Tennessee Titans because in a lot of respects, they are similar teams on paper. You saw it last week with the Steelers. They went up against a really good front seven and missing their best, their best tackle in Taylor Lewan. And you saw, I mean, how how much they weren't able to produce on the offensive side of the ball and how much, you know, Ryan Tannehill was having to run for his life in those plays. So that's just something that, like, you have to have the ability to – and that's why I said even if we had McCaffrey in last night, I don't know if he does anything that doesn't help that much because, I mean, McCaffrey can – he can break tackles just as well as Davis can, but when you're running – when you're getting the ball and immediately having to break tackles – that's gonna you're that's going to 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 set in and it's going to throw you off of your game. So I just and like I said, there's there was some communication issues. I think there were some times we also got to realize there was a lot of like this is a lot of these guys' first time under the under the lights for most of these guys that are at least starting the ball and starting the game. Um, there were some plays from Teddy that I would have I questioned a little bit. Like I said, I've said this before and I still think it rings true even with you know how he well he has done and how respected he is, I still think he feels that shadow of having to be Superman and having to be the star player because, like, there was – it was in a third down. I think it was a third down play, maybe a fourth down too. I think he actually set up the fourth down we didn't get where you had Curtis Samuel. To be fair, he beat his man going down the sideline. Mm -hmm. And he had Curtis Samuel, to be fair, beat his man, and he overthrew Curtis just a little bit. But then you also had DJ Moore wide open in the flats, coming across the middle, where with his speed and his ability to make a play in an open field – He's picking up 20 yards at least. So that's uh, – Teddy know, still has some issues there. And to that point, they have to find a way to get that connection between Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore fixed. You have to feed DJ Moore. Like I, and, I, and I love Robbie Anderson. He's been a great pickup. But your best receiver, it doesn't matter how much Robbie Anderson does or how fast he is or what Curtis Samuel does, your best receiver is DJ Moore. He's got to be involved. And you saw last night when, he, when you got him the ball, things started changing on the on – the, I think it was a drag route you threw – he catches it, stiff arms, breaks the tackle, gets up the field. On the long bomb you threw on the last drive before you, I think, before you end up throwing the interception, you throw it up to DJ Moore, he makes it, He goes and makes a play. He's got to be involved. And I don't know what happens. Like He had one target in, I think, the first quarter and then get another target into the third. Like, that's a long time to go without get, trying, to eat, trying to even feature your best receiver. And the problem with that is too, and Tyler, you can talk a little about this, as far as what the DBs on the Falcon side of the ball were doing to cover him up, they weren't really doing a lot that was special to, to lock down DJ Moore. They were just, you know, on him. So, I mean, how is that concerning in terms of, I don't know if that's on DJ or if that's just on the way they played against him? Yeah, you know, DJ Moore's kind of always been this player that, you know, his thought is that we got to scheme him up to get him the ball. We got to, you know, get him open and not, you know, have himself get open, if that makes sense. A uh, player that you get the ball to in space. But, you know, he was a first round pick for us. And it's going to be coming to the time where we need to re-sign him. And we already have all this money, you know, invested into Robbie. So, you know, DJ Moore, he, he's got to prove himself again, you know, that he deserves his money uh, when the time comes. So he needs to start getting open on his own, um, not, you know, just relying on screens, uh, you know, end arounds, stuff like that. He needs to create separation on his own, you know, one-on-one. -on -one, he can't get you know covered like that. You know, we're supposed to have these three great receivers, uh, triple-headed beast on the outside. And really, you know, Robbie Anderson's only been the He's been the only one that's been consistent. You know, Curtis has, you know, I think we can all say he's kind of disappointed us, you know, especially last season. And then, you know, it's going up for him this season. But, you know, DJ has been quiet and he's, it's kind of like he's okay with Robbie taking over as the main guy here. And, you know, I don't think we, any of us expected that to happen. So I think DJ, you know, in the second half of the season, he's got to look to change that around. I, and I think, too, that you, you you made a really great point there, uh, Tyler. I honestly kind of think we've seen, like, watching the All or Nothings or watching him on the field, DJ's a very mild-mannered kind of guy, especially for a wide receiver who's supposed to be, you know, that enigmatic, you know, kind of out there kind of person. Mm -hmm. And, Jeff, you can kind of talk about this, too. Steve Smith had said when we drafted him, they had never had a player to replace me up until now. I He meant that on, the, on you know, in his playmaking ability, his open field ability. I think Steve needs to get in there and show DJ how to be a killer, how to be, you know, get that mentality. Wouldn't you agree? 
I agree. I think what uh, Tyler brought up about, you know, the scheme getting him open and him not getting open. Um, it's sometimes you just got to have somebody in your head talking to you and we'll go back because it's comparable. You know, uh, Derek Henry ran a certain way till Eddie George got in his head and said, Hey, you need to run and, and be a man and man up. And I think that's just what I found interesting. And, and Chauncey's hit it was targeted one time in the first, they didn't hit him again till the third. I think he had four targets the entire night. And I brought it up in our story last night. November 3rd is the trade deadline. Do you want an offensive lineman? Do you trade DJ more away for an offensive lineman? And, and, let, and let's be real. I, I, I question, because, and what was Teddy looking at a couple of times? I mean, there were a couple of times DJ was open, and he was looking at Robbie and Curtis right away. Is there something, and I, maybe I'm just stirring the pot. Is there something else going on no. there? Or, you know, is, is that something that, hey, I'll, there's an offensive lineman. We'll, we'll make a trade, and we'll give DJ more for an offensive lineman. I think what you see there, and I think this is why people wonder why Cam is playing the way he is or why Cam is deter- so deteriorated or not. We and I, It's going to go back to this, and I said I wouldn't talk about it, but I'm going to. The O-line that we You're have right. does not – like You're Teddy right. is now having to look over his shoulder. He's have, having to look at his peripheral because he's afraid that he's about to get hit before he throws the ball with the amount of time he has. And honestly, like some of the throws that Teddy was making in terms of where he was placing the ball, I mean, for that Curtis Samuel touchdown, if that, if that cornerback makes a better play on the ball, that's a pick. Easy pick. For that pick six that he threw, uh, he had DJ per se if he places the ball better, but that was an easy pick. I think Teddy is – I think his arm's getting hurt. I think he's getting hit enough. I think he's getting thrown off of his game, either his feet or it's somewhere in the legs or the arm because he's either not getting set, he's not thinking clearly because there's some plays where I'm – like that's what you're seeing. I think he's getting like skittish in but, the pocket, and I think it's what we did to Cam too in the later years is Cam got skittish in the pocket. But, but, that's why his turnover ratio was so bad. So I don't know if it's a DJ like, Moore like thing. I, said, I mean – he got listen. Teddy got knocked down eleven times last night. There were times, even in the first second quarter, I'm going, he's not going to get up. And, no. and Cam Newton is injured. You better get it straight, or you're going to hurt. I mean, listen, Teddy. There's like I said, there are three quarterbacks that might have survived that game last night: Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Holmes. Patrick Holmes, maybe, maybe. I'm, su- I'm surprised so, Dan Hill didn't I make mean, that I list. Wanna, <laughs> I, no, 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 no. But you know what I'm saying? We're kind of coming down hard on Teddy, and I get it. And I know she's put on Twitter something about today that, hey, you know, he's got to win a ball game. But at the end of the day, you got to protect him. Yeah, this is this is true. But you know what? You know what? One thing I thought about uh, earlier before we started recording is the fact that if I look at Teddy Bridgewater's the team that he played with prior and the situation where he was he was successful, Mm -hmm. go back to Minnesota. They had a that was a that was a well built team around him, and they didn't ask him to go do much, much more than just hey, look, manage the game, make your plays here and there, and just look, take us, just carry, take us to the finish line. Don't do anything, don't get too high, don't get too low. Same thing with the Saints. They didn't ask him to do what that what we're asking him to do now. And he also these are well built teams, well built organizations. They I look look at the Saints like they have an infrastructure where they know how to protect Drew Brees. They've done it for about ten plus years. That and it, and it worked for Teddy when he got in there, went five and zero, did his thing. Carolina's asking him to be a franchise guy. That's what Carolina. That's what Carolina asked of him when you paid him six six three million and you didn't go address the needs that you had on the offensive line. And it's starting to show that. Look, I don't care. It, it wouldn't matter what quarterback you had in there. Like like to Jeff's point, there's only a handful of quarterbacks that could have survived that game. And Teddy just isn't. He just isn't that type of quarterback to where you can be bad on the offensive line and he can keep escaping and keep making plays. Where like you know you had Cam Newton for a decade, you masked a lot of those issues because you had a quarterback that could run and create for himself. Teddy is not that type of guy where you. I don't. I don't want to ask Teddy to do that because that's not the. That's not where his game is. That's what, his game is being able to stay within the pocket, make make the plays that are in front of him, and keep the offense moving that way. Not having to create and move and and try to stay alive in the pocket. Yeah, I think you made a really good point there with, you know, Teddy's not going to escape like Cam, like a Lamar or Mahomes, you know, he's not going to be able to avoid the pressure. And so I think the biggest thing for Teddy is keeping him comfortable uh, and staying on schedule, not getting into, you know, second and 20, you know, third and 17s, uh, anything like that. We got to, you know, stay on schedule offensively because, you know, it gets poked, poked at a lot on Twitter and made fun of a lot. And I think, you know, Teddy is not a great deep passer, right? Uh, but he he's serviceable. Uh, I think it gets kind of blown up um, more than it really is. But he's not great downfield. Um, so you know, so we got I'm not saying that we need to be a you know check down offense, but just keeping it on schedule so we don't have to throw you know bombs every play. So the biggest thing, and you know, we forget you know Teddy started the season playing the best football he'd ever done ever played. Um, so 
and be, and that, that's because he was comfortable in the pocket and we were moving on schedule um, offensively. Um, so we need to get back to that, keeping him comfortable, uh, back to the theme with the offensive line and just, you know, keeping, keeping him healthy too. It, yeah. It's just, I think that's what we, you tend to see with us. And I will say, I think Teddy, I mean, I don't know if he can have, he has enough in the tank to do it every game or every drive, but I think he can't get out of the pocket better than people realize. I mean, he is more mobile than people, you know, especially, especially having that injury and to still be that mobile, like that's surprising. Um, but switching gears, you know, to the, from the offense to the defense, because I mean, the defense was weird last night. I think they did, they, they were, it was good to bend, not break. That's what that was. That was, that was helping. And it was definitely telling to see, you know, how much Julio Jones played a part into it. I think he was he was locked down a little bit towards the second half, but um, I think, you know, the the like again for a lot of these guys in the defense and defense, it was their first time playing in prime time for a lot of these guys. And so I want to hear what y'all's thoughts were because I have some opinions on how the defense played last night. What were some some highs and lows that y'all y'all thought of? Um, highs were you seem to be able to create some pressure on Matt Ryan. Other guys aside from Brian Burns got to the quarterback. Uh, Lowe's Phil Snow is calling the game as if he knows that, that his secondary can't press and he knows that. And no matter whether it's a, no matter whether we're in the situation where we should press up and we should try to be, be more physical up with, with the receivers, he knows he's calling it as if he knows that his guys can't do it. So until we get a group that can do that, until we can resolve Douglas back or until, I mean, I, we got, we got to improve in that back end. Cause I keep seeing a lot of, a lot of cushion, and that's how you got Julio Jones catching what eight, what eight catches for like 117 last night, at least I think. Yeah, so you know that's that's basically my two takeaways from last night's game on the defensive side. Yeah, so highs for me, uh, we have three really good players: Derek Brown, Brian Burns, and Jeremy Chin. Uh, low is we only have three good players. Uh, that's about it. Um, everyone else played not very good. Trey Boston, good player, but Dante, he has not got better um, really since his rookie year. Um, it's just so disappointing with him. You know, he's supposed to be our lockdown number one guy, and you know we're we're always worried about who's playing opposite of Dante, uh, but. We should be worrying more about Dante, I think, because you know he's not um, capable of locking down. You know, even like wide receiver two caliber guys, um, let alone Julio Jones, who's been the Panthers' kryptonite for the last several years. And I think because Julio was playing, um, I think that's the reason, one of the amazing reasons why all of us were, you know, skeptical going into this you know, one-win Falcons team was, you know, Julio Jones has just had his way with us. And, you know, Dante can't cover him, and Dante's our best corner. So after that, it just kind of goes downhill. Um, you know, Corn Elder you know, in there, he's getting better, but it's still, it's still Corn Elder. Um, but, yeah, you know, it was nice to see Brian Burns consistently. Um, super, super happy with how he's playing, playing. Um, every week been getting better. Derek Brown also, you know, he had that, you know, slow start to the season, but he's really stepped up um, when, with KK being out. Um, but – we need some more guys to step up on this defense, especially in the secondary. Um, you know, we got to address that safety position with Justin Burris being out. I don't know that Sam Franklin, um, although he made a couple good plays, I don't know if he's the answer. I really don't. Um, and then linebacker, you know, Shaq, I want to see him take that next step too, you know, being the leader here, like we've been talking about. I'm going to just say this. The, and we'll use the infamous words of Denny Green. Um, they are who we thought they were. And what I mean by that is they ended up with the um, – um, they're young. They're young. And, and they had five – I think it was five defensive holdings, um, yeah. if I'm correct. And, and that one – and, that one on, and you get those five defensive holdings. Uh, that one against uh, – on the Brian Burns sack was the – that was the biggest BS call I've ever seen where they called defensive holding on a lineman to not let the offensive lineman get into the, uh, like, second level of the field of play. I I'd never heard that kind of – holding called before so that one that one really pissed me off but you're right jeff they are who we thought we they were i will say um and it's funny because i was even listening to like my my service cut out the other week and i was listening to the panthers radio call because that's how what i have to do sometimes now and uh kurt coleman is now on it um as as the as the uh, color guy and i'm like i i, I gotta think kirk's like kurt's watching this game going damn i, I maybe i should get back and put my jersey back on get back on the field and and try to play because they're just like it's really only burn. It's gotten to the point, honestly, because I thought the worst thing for me was the, was again, was the run defense. Uh, there were certain, there were so many plays. When you let Matt Ryan pick up a third and 12, 
on, on, a, on a play that you need to stop him and you let Matt Ryan, who looks like one of the most unathletic quarterbacks ever, get that third down, that's an issue. That's a huge issue to me. And I understand they were kind of pulled away in coverage, but it's kind of the point where I'm, I'm honestly thinking we put like we put Burns back there for a little bit and just let him run around in, the, in that second zone because while he can make so much pressure off the edge, to be fair, F.A. and even to hell, Stephen Weatherly made some impacts last night. That one hit he had when he was able to break free and get a tackle for the, uh, a loss, but uh, to hear Whitehead's not getting it done. I mean, Jer- Jeremy Chin, he could be utilized also in the – I feel like like he's a really good hitter and really can run around in the, in the, in the front zone of the defense, but I feel like he could also be utilized there – in the secondary for a little, I think we, I think he could be really well utilized as a free safety and be able to kind of run around and be kind of open to do what he would want to. Cause I think where Trey is at now it works, but I also think Trey is smart enough to play both free and strong safety. Um, and so I think it's just that having, I think while the secondary is atrocious, I think they're still uh, the linebackers to me are still where we are the weakest because it's just that middle of the field and picking up, and I, so I thought, and I'll, I'll let Chauncey talk in a second, but I thought, you know, we thought the Saints just had really, really good third down conversion and really good percentages on that. And then we see with the Falcons, what were they like? Eight of 11, I think. It was somewhere around there. It, Something around that. It was, it was they, were, they were picking up third and tens. They were picking up third and twelves. I mean, it was just, it was just absolutely atrocious. And so I like what I saw. Um, so now, now, to be fair, Rizul Douglas, he still was not cleared from, from COVID, and that's hurt. And then Dante ended up going out midway through. I think it was the third or the fourth because of that. I think that toe injury is really having an issue because I thought, you know, beginning of the season, it seemed to look like he was actually good because he what, had that get a pick or two right in the beginning of the season. And they were actually pretty good picks. You know, most of his picks have been like, you know, kind of those fr- those freebies, you know, those fly balls that he's been able to get. But these like like even the one he made last night, that was a good pick. Like that was a real. And I, of course, I was bashing him on our Instagram story. <laughs> and then he turns around like as I'm posting the video. He makes a pick and I'm like, well, crap. Like, you know, good job, Dante. Um, Because because uh, you're not – with Troy Pride, Corn Elder, I mean, Sam Franklin, Miles Hartfield, who I thought was a, a running back, he was he was back there. Like, I, are we just – are we that depleted in the secondary? It, it, it's starting to look like that. It's starting to look that way. And one thing I'll say about this defense, and I said it last night on the Instagram story, is that, you know, the one thing we don't have is smart pass rushers, meaning guys that – they get up the field and they and you keep allowing an unathletic guy like Matt Ryan to spill out and and and, and hurt you in the ground game. I look at the touchdown where they cut the game where they cut the lead to 14 to 13. That shouldn't happen. No. There is no reason. Like it, and, and, and you know why? Because you have a, lot, a bunch of undisciplined pass rushers that are athletic and can get there. But if you don't keep him inside the pocket and make him have to like there's no reason why Matt Ryan, running the five flat speed that he is, should be able to beat you to should be able to beat you to the end zone. And look in the back end, look, look, you, Troy Pride. I don't know what was wrong with his cleats. I don't. That's hold up. We the the the, the Falcons play on a turf field. We have played in. We, it's no secret that it rains in Carolina. It is no. So why are you not prepared for that? You knew what the forecast was. Are our equipment managers just that oblivious to what's going on? Like, I don't – that was pissing me off so much. And there were moments, like, there's a play that I think uh, Franklin made in the back of the end zone against Julio. That was a good, good play. Good and, play. And I do see some potential in some of the guys that we have. But I I don't see a – I don't see a number one quarterback on this roster. I no. didn't think – I didn't think – I didn't think Dante Jackson was the answer. I knew when James Bradbury left, our number one corner was leaving when, when he walked out the door. And I never looked at Dante Jackson as a number one guy. He's he's like five ten. You can't number one corners aren't five ten. Hey, that's 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 one. And two, he plays how he plays is 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 great to have on the field. Not as my number one guy. I need somebody else that can go follow the number one guy and and Jackson be on the field somewhere because what that he is good at. He is a ball hawk, and the ball does seem to find its way into into his hands. So I, I do want to have him on the field, but just not as the guy that I have to rely upon to be a consistent cover guy because that's not what he is. And this was the issue. And so, like, yeah. So since we had talked last, Eli Apple was released. So and then in the, during this trade deadline, you've seen what I think it was uh, Everson Griffin going to the Cowboys. Now I I don't know about but that was someone I was looking at too for that pass rush because Lord knows he would probably be more productive than Stephen Weatherly. I think you had uh, Yannick and Goku also got it got traded I believe as well. He got traded to the the Ravens. That's what yeah. So like there were some guys that we could have tried to fight for 
And because the Cowboys weren't looking to give up much for at Pat for, for Griffin. And I think Griffin can make plays if he's in the right scheme. And so now that money that you spent on Eli Apple, which wasn't a whole lot, but we knew that wasn't going to work out. Like you could have put that money to some use somewhere else. You really could have tried. And I think that speaks again to just our, our money management skills. And so Jeff, you talk about that trade earlier. I don't think I'm shopping DJ Moore. I'm maybe shopping Curtis Samuel, you know, and maybe, and maybe heck I'm sorry. Like I know it would, it would throw off our, you know, our running back situation again, but I mean, I can't imagine there's not a lot of teams that wouldn't want to give a little bit for Mike Davis and the way he runs the ball. You know, with Chris Carson being injured every week, I'm, I'm sure the Seahawks might be kicking themselves in the back, you know, for letting him go. I So, I mean, I just – to try to get an O-lineman or, or someone in the secondary because – I mean, look, look, Jamal Adams, the Seahawks did not pay him an aggressive amount of money for what – I mean, they gave him good money, but, like, I couldn't imagine we couldn't scrounge that money together, you know, and how much of a help that would have been. I just – I don't know. I This – the, the, it seems like there's issues and lack of, you know, it seems like there's a lack of action. You, you know, well, you know, well, with, you know, and you had Carlos Dunlap, he left the Bengals. Yeah. And he can, the, I uh, mean, to have uh, Carlos Dunlap with, with Derek Scott. Brown, he went to um, um, the Seahawks. Seattle. Yeah. But to have him with Derek Brown when you've got, when KK's yeah. now out, you wouldn't, I guarantee you, Dunlap wanted so to get D out of there bad. Is DJ Moore getting frustrated too? That's my question. Um, if you're four targets a game, you're supposed to be the number one receiver, and you get four targets a game. Well, look, well, with DJ Moore, it's just that, you know, like, like Jack said earlier, he's such a mild-mannered guy. I don't think that he cares, which is really the issue I have with DJ, because I feel like, you know, like you said earlier, Jack, when C. Smith said that Carolina finally found, found his replacement, I was hoping he was talking about mentality as well, because if he had that, I, don't, I wouldn't question anything about DJ Moore. Mike Davis, like you said, Jack, is a good package piece. I mean, got teams do need run teams do need running backs at this point in the season because guys do start to get worn down. He's shown he's shown to have some good value. And you know, with Reggie Bonifon being on track to come back at some point, Christian McCaffrey also being on track to come back. I would be comfortable with going into a game with McCaffrey and Bonifon being my two running backs on the roster. Kirk Cole as well, he's played himself into a position where He's played himself into a check to a position where if you're Carolina, you have to make a real decision come come this offseason. Do you really want to pay Kurt, Curtis Samuel or do you let him walk? Because he's gonna he's gonna demand a good a good chunk of change. Can you and, and, and there is value for him because of how versatile he is and how well he has played this year. So Carolina does they do have pieces to where you can make you can make a push. And I look at the guys that got traded at the trade deadline, uh Griffin. Uh, I can't remember. I can't. I cannot. I don't want to butcher the the guys that they got traded to the Ravens. But you know, and calls also Carlos Dunlap. They all got traded for picks. Oh, we're just trading draft picks. Oh, oh shit. Those. Oh, you can you can have all of those. But you're right. And so like, and I think the thing with DJ, we didn't mention it earlier. But I think when you talk about when you said, you know, he we have to scheme him up to get open. And I think that speaks to, and I y'all can refute this or not, but his route running is not what at all that it could be. His route running is kind of below average to the point where he's not making the jab steps or those double moves. He made a nice double move on that on that 40-yard uh, bomb last night, but it wasn't even really a double move. It was almost just like a stutter kind of thing. And so he's more like a punt returner where he gets he, – he reads the space once he gets the ball and can create that separation. And, you know what? I'll agree because a lot of these newer guys that, that are coming out are much like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuels, that they're versatile athlete type of guys coming out of high school. And that's how they're using college. They don't use them in – there's not much traditional route running happening in college. There's a select few guys that do it. You know, Jerry Judy came out last year. He can do it. C.E. Lamb, he can do it. Uh, I think maybe Henry Ruggs, also another guy that can do it. They, these guys that are coming out aren't traditional route runners. So, yeah, when you, when, it get, when, it, when you get to the NFL, you have to run routes against a Richard Sherman or, a, or, or a Patrick Peterson or a Darius Slay, and you can't figure out the nuances in a route to get open, you're stuck. And you get, you get, the, top, you get to the top of your route, and if it's not there, you kind of just give up on the play. Um, moving on to, you know, kind of, cause I will say one thing too, like, I hate to say that I think we would have scored on that one drive getting that close to the red zone if Teddy wasn't out, but I don't know what vendetta the Falcons have against our quarterbacks that they just want to try to take them out every time they play, we play them. Cause that was, that was a, that was a dirty and to go for the leg of Teddy Bridgewater too. Like, I don't care who you are. It's Teddy Bridgewater. Like he's such a, like he's tried so hard to get back to where he is right now. And he's fought so hard to play. I don't care if it's your, like to kick him like that. And then to have the other guy come down. Cause I thought that was going to get, you know, um, I don't think you get really ever objective or for tripping, but you know, that was still dirty too. And then to have him come down and land like that on his neck. I mean, that was, and, and we saw what, I mean, then we got a glimpse into what our backup quarterback situation is like. And boy, it did not look like anything in the XFL. I can tell you that right now. Tyler, what did you think about that, about that play style, those couple yeah. plays? 
Well, first of all, you just you do not trip. Just don't. No, that's that's dirty. It doesn't get much more dirty than that. Um, so, but you no, know, it sucked to see Teddy go down. Um, anytime, you know, he fought so hard to get back. So you just you just want him on the field always, and that's our guy. That's who we're paying right now. Um, so, you know, the Panthers with this backup quarterback situation, we've been rotating Will Greer and PJ Walker every week, um, who's active and who's not. Uh, so PJ got lucky this week, um, by being the guy that dressed, um, actually earlier, earlier in the game, he did take a rep at receiver. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that was weird. I, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about that. Kind of like a, um, Taysom Hill, uh, type <laughs> <of> Hill. uh <laughs> yeah, not, <laughs> don't like bringing that name up, but, but yeah, no. He did not play very well. Um, not not confident about what happens when when Teddy goes down. Um, it's it's over, I think, at that point. But you know, it really is disappointing to see. Um, at the time, I was really upset with the Will Greer pick. You know, in the third round with our situation, I did not did not agree with that one. And now he's not even active full time for the games. Um, so he, we can't even really rely on him right rely on him as a backup. Um, I think that's you know PJ for now. Uh, we'll see where that goes, but I think they'd prefer to dress PJ because maybe, you know, maybe they have him in the plans to do some more of the trickery stuff with him. I kind of hope not, but, um, but yeah, not very promising. This is um, from what we've seen from PJ. I think if Teddy goes down, it's over. We can call it. <laughs> and that's what, and that's what it looked like. I mean, I, but Jeff, okay. Talk a little bit about, I guess at that point, you know, it's your first game back in the NFL in a while and you're in prime time under the lights, like ha in the red zone. I mean, did we really expect him to do a whole lot coming out? I mean, the XFL tape looked like it was a lot, but do you think now – is this looking now more – it's like a a pickup because he played for Temple when Rule was, you know, there? Um, You could go either way with it. I mean, at the end of the day, you're an NFL quarterback. You're expected to come in there and play ball. You're expected to come in there and and and, and do the job. So maybe he was thinking the Temple connection's good. But listen, at the end of the day, you're an NFL player. Get in there and do the job. And um, I don't know. I You know, um, I, I – think they saw what he did more in the XFL or whatever, and that was more the reason they signed him. Yeah. I think we were also blessed with – we were spoiled with one of the best backup quarterbacks around there for the longest time, and Derek Anderson. He would always come in, and he would, he would, he would hold it down other than one or two plays, you know, where he might have performed a little under. But I just – but Jeff's right. And I think that was always the thing with the Panthers a team, especially on defense, was that, you know, if one guy went down, boom, next man up. You know, if Luke goes down, AJ Klein, come right up. You know, if Bradbury goes down, we had somebody else come up. And that was always the biggest thing was the depth that the Panthers had at that at, at the defense. And a little bit, and, you know, if, for as bad as the offensive line was for a lot of years, I mean, some next guy would come up and, and try to do his best. Or, you know, Greg would do go down and Ed Dixon would come up. You know, it was so, and we don't have that anymore. You know, we don't have that any at, really anywhere around at any part of our team except for maybe wide receiver. But even then, I mean, because if, if, you know, we cut Seth Roberts, that was, I mean, that was weird because I was actually surprised. Like, I was, I was kind of okay with that pickup, but we had it. I thought he could provide just a little bit, you know, be one of those guys, kind of like a Tory Smith or like a Jericho Cotri, where he's not going to give you a lot of production, but when he is in, he's going to be reliable and it, and is as good for you know a, a breakout player too. And I definitely thought he was going to be. I mean, because we haven't used Farrell Cooper at all at the wideout spot. I don't think he's even seen the field other than punt returning, and I'm still waiting for him to break one off. And I, so I don't know. What we see in in, in Sylvester Sylvestra, I'm never gonna get to say that name right. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone or whatever his name is, and, and and Keith Kirkwood. I mean, I think he's we he's either on the COVID list again, or I think we cut him as well. So I just don't know. You know, the the, the wide receiver spot is where we do have the most depth, so that's why I wouldn't be horribly upset with shopping Curtis Samuel. But like, you're what, what Shanti says is right. I think we would have to lock down that connection with DJ Moore that chemistry with him before we think of shopping anybody. And I know it's close because that's coming up pretty soon here. Um, so, okay. So I, I have wondered why Brandon Zilstra is getting more snaps at receiver than Farrah Cooper. Yeah. Like, like I, 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 I'm just thinking about, okay, who do I really think can go out there and make a play for me right now? If I had to ask him to go make one play at receiver, I don't think it's this kid. And, I don't. I really. I just have no idea what they saw. And I guess the no, the lack of preseason is we didn't get a chance to see any of these guys, which I think that's a problem with judging PJ Walker. Look, I he needed a preseason. Like I think he really needed a chance to get acclimated to the NFL game because there's only so much practice can do, and there's only so many practice reps that can replicate a real game. And you saw, like, I mean. Four pass attempts, one completion. I'm like, I just don't know what he could have done. That I, I just don't know how how prepared is he to go into some of these situations. Well, yeah, and you're right because like we thought. I mean, even like as upset we were with the Will Greer pick when that happened, 
we saw the tape in college. We saw what he did at WVU, and we were, you know, okay. I mean, he's a solid college. He was a solid quarterback. Then preseason came around, and he came in after. I think it was either that Bills game or that Steelers game, and it was atrocious. It was so bad, and I was like, oh, my gosh, we just wasted our third-round pick on this dude because the third round is, like, as Tyler would tell you, that's a pick where you can make a lot of – that's a pick where players can make a lot of – have a lot of surprise. I think – who was our third round pick this year, Tyler? I can't. Remember. Was it was it Chin or was it? Um, it was just, uh, we didn't. We traded up in the third to get uh, Chin. Yeah, correct. We, we yeah. picked him in the second though. Yeah, which was. I mean, so you still used it in a good way. And I think even if we had gotten yeah. Chin, you know, in the third, and so that was a smart pick in in general. Um, so I think you know that was. I think that that was obviously an issue when we had it. And so that's another thing I just realized. I mean, we've had this pass rush. I'm interested to see what happens when Yatur comes back. Because I mean, FA was built. He was getting some pressure. He wasn't. He, also, on the sidebar, I don't know who Alex Mack thinks he is. But every like after every whistle last night, he was fighting with FA. He was fighting with Tahir. Like you're a center, dude. Calm down. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, I ain't really. Hey, hey, I, I ain't sweating no dirty birds, bro. I ain't no, well, no and the dir dirty birds rings true because of the plays that they had last night. But um, so just regard like Steph, Steph, uh. uh Yeter, it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back from the injury. Because, um, I mean, I can't imagine we keep Stephen Weatherly anymore. So, like, the, the the front four is looking is really weird. I don't know what y'all's thoughts about it are right now because I can't really get a grasp on what we're trying to do right now. Honestly, yeah. I, I'm just I'm just eager to see if when Yeter comes back. That's about – no, I'm just really – I mean, I, I, I want to see him come back and play. just want to see what we have in that draft here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's Burns, it's uh, Derek Brown. And then it's just a big rotation at the other spot. Marquise Haynes, FA Obata, you know, like Stephen Weatherly, like we talked about, but you know, you tore when he comes back, I don't know that he's this, this starter, you know, every down type player. Uh, he's still, he's always been a developmental guy. We, we drafted him knowing that. Um, but so I think this is a perfect opportunity now to get him reps this season at, towards that stretch of the season and develop him. And hopefully, you know, next year he can be that full-time starter, um, not at a Brian Burns level by any means, but, you know, a consistent player that we don't really have to take out too often. You know, we, we have, I think Weatherly, Haynes, Obata, they're good for what they are as rotational guys, but you don't want those guys playing, you know, you know, three downs. You don't want any of them in there for that long. A lot of them, they're all pass rushers, really. So situational pass rushers is what they are. So hopefully we can start to get you toward to become that, you know, that every down player. Yeah, it's like having your Wes Horton, your Mario Addison, and your Kyle mm -hmm. Love kind of all out there. You're kind of just doing, getting by with what you have. All right, so I know we've been putting it off, but we got to talk about it because it's getting close to the end of the podcast. And I know none of us want to talk about the game that's about to come up because it feels like it's going to be that 2018 game against the Steelers or the 2019 game against the 49ers. And it's playing the defending Super Bowl champions and playing Kansas City. And I, there's a solid, I think, what's what's the record for the most points scored in an NFL game? Because uh, there's a chance that, there's a chance it might be broken broken this this coming week. I the, I do. It's nice that we have the long the long week to practice. But just what are some of y'all's fears going into this game? Uh, Everything. Well, it, well, everything. Yeah, like just to, it, just to be fair, yeah, everything. But uh, uh Chris Jones and Frank Clark. You know, <laughs> I, 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 you know, just figure that out first, because you know, you know, Chris Jones is probably going to annihilate whoever you have in the interior that week, and. Frank Clark is going to get to the quarterback at some point. So those two guys is probably that those are my concerns. I could go on all day about my concerns, but I'll just leave that those two. I think Tyreek Hill's gonna be open uh most of the time. You know, Miko Hardman, more speed that we have to deal with. Tim, I mean Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, you know, take your pick. Um, you know, Jeremy Chan, if he's you know covering Kelsey, he's gonna be really tested. Um, obviously they that quarterback's pretty good there. And you know, that defense, um, their defense is, you know. It's not amazing, but they kind of just get by, right? But, you know, Tyron Matthew and then Frank Clark and, you know, one of the best interior rushers in the league and Chris Jones, he, you know, Chris Chris Jones is going to have a day. And then not to mention Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy going up against our young coaching staff, um, you know, Phil Snow versus Eric Bieniemy. Phil Snow, you know, say what you want, but he's super young into this um, NFL coaching thing. And Eric Bieniemy matching up, it's just – uh, we better we have a, we have some extra time to get ready for this game, so we better make the most of it. But um, it's gonna I think it's gonna get ugly. Welcome to three and five. <laughs> Welcome to three and are, we already five. are three and five. What make do you mean? Sure, make sure that uh, Christian McCaffrey is healthy before we play him again. Yeah. Oh, honestly, three and six. Yeah, I was gonna say honestly, I don't know. I if, if McCaffrey's not hundred percent, I really don't know if you put him in this game. I, I, 
I don't think, I mean, he'll make an effort and he'll make an impact, but in reality, like this is a game I'm not going in expecting to win in the slightest. I think, now what I will say is for as bad, if Dante is healthy, because speed has been an area where he does, you know, kind of match. I don't think he's going to match up stride for stride with, you know, Tyreek, but I think he can he can kind of hold his own there. I, I do think Chin has can get that middle of the field kind of impact where he's been and maybe try to, you know, he's going to get tested. He's going to get tested a lot against Travis Kelsey. I mean, that's not, that's, but this is a game where he can try to prove himself really like and show that he's that rookie of the month and, you know, cont- and make it more of a campaign for rookie, defensive rookie of the year. Miko Hardman, you know, and they're, they're running attack. I think at this point, honestly, like I don't care about, you know, I don't care about Le'Veon Bell. I don't care about Clyde. Edwards. I mean, I care about Edwards Hilaire a little bit. I'm putting Burns probably like I might put Burns on just like you know a, 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 a just kind of contain for Hilaire and Mahomes. I mean, I'm putting eight guys in, in the secondary and maybe and maybe rushing Burns, Derek Brown, or yeah, rushing Derek Brown and maybe Marquise Haynes and Obama. Like really at that point, like that's all I'm doing because at the, like it's just going to be the offense. Like this is going to be the game where Panthers fans. And the Panthers organization is really going to see how much of a of a mistake it was to not sign Eric Bieniemy. I really think it is because I don't think Bieniemy has any you know negative vibes toward us at all. But he's just going to go look. I'm a coach. This is what I, I'm an offensive minded coach. I could be a head coach, and I'll show you why right now. I mean, Mahomes could run. I mean, I, with the way we let Matt Ryan run, if we have that same if we have that same kind of protection against Mahomes, he could run like freaking Bo Jackson in the Tecmo Bowl game and just run a hundred yards around the field without getting tackled by anybody. I mean, we've seen some of the, him go against some of the best defense and some of the best front sevens and like the Titans and the 49ers and just run all over them, you know? And so now he gets to go up against ours. And I just, it's like I said, this is like, it's going to feel like one of those games where like it was those season breakers, like we had against the Steelers or we had against the 49ers where, you know, it was things were kind of shaky as it was. And it's that right middle of the season. And then they just put up, 60 points, 50 points. I mean, that could be that could be a, a very big possibility coming into this game. So, Tyler, real quick, what do you think uh, your score prediction is looking like for this game? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 38 to 21. Uh, that's fair. Uh, yeah. T- uh, Boss. Yeah, well, I would imagine. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like that's going to go without <laughs> yeah, saying. Just make that one clear. Yeah. We're, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm as you know optimistic as a Panthers fan as they come. But even I, even I'm concerned with that. I, there's, I don't see any way we come out of this with a win. Chantese, what are you thinking? I'm thinking along the lines of 41-13. Yeah, that's what. I mean, there's parts of me that are really, really concerned that it's going to be. I'll, I'll let Jeff go first because I really don't know. I, I got to get my thoughts <laughs> together because I there's so many things that could go wrong here. I'm actually going to go 42 mm. to. I don't think we score. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can see that too, though. Yeah. I think we're good for at least one or two I mean, field I goals. Just, to... I, I don't know. I mean. I... No, right. I, I feel you Maybe. there. I'll go yeah. 42 to 7. Yeah, I'll give I'll give it like, I mean, with the way the 49ers played against us last year, and like I'm really going back to those games because that's what it looks like. I, with how young our defense is and the offensive mind of Eric Bannamy, and just how like we've never had to experience anything like this. Now, to be fair, the, the Chiefs are not as big of an offensive superpower as they were in terms of these tougher games that they've had to play. This is going to be those one of those games where they can really. It's going to be like a playground for them. They can really run around. I don't want to say you never want to say that someone puts up a fifty burger on you, but with the, the mismatch that we have here at almost every point of, the, of attack, I could see it being like. We'll get a couple. Go- we'll get like a garbage time touchdown or two, like we did. If, McC- if if McCaffrey comes in, if he plays this game, I could see us like scoring fourteen to seventeen points. I could see that, but I still, I mean, like best case scenario, it's like thirty-five to fourteen. Worst case scenario, it's like it's like fifty-one to fourteen. Yeah, it, it gives me like like you say, it gives me that twenty eighteen Steelers feel and that twenty nineteen uh, forty nine feel. Like this is going to be an avalanche. Like it's going to start. And it's just not gonna stop. It's just gonna keep going and going until it's over. Because to be fair, we have the—I think we have the firepower and the kind of tenacity to come out early, get a quick touchdown, and maybe mm-hmm. even surprise somewhere through for a three and out. Yeah. But they do not have the longevity to keep that up for sixty minutes in a game. That's just not the, gonna happen. That game is right. gonna be over midway second quarter. At least it's gonna get it's gonna get ugly quick, and that's if Dante's and this is even if Dante's healthy, if McCaffrey's in, you know, if 
if our O-line can hold up for even a little bit, because I, it's definitely more Chris Jones that I'm scared of. Frank Clark, I am not, I think we can, you know, manage him a little bit more. Chris Jones is definitely terrifying to me. And I think, you know, the running attack for the, and that's the problem too, is like the running attack, like Le'Veon Bell and Edward Hilaire, like Edward Hilaire is that exact type of running back that could really do damage against this, this front seven. Um, yeah. Le'Veon Bell doesn't scare me, you know, as much as he used, as he should, or as he used to. Yeah. Um, same with Tyree Kill and same with you. That just over the middle, like I think Travis Kelsey could have just a real big game this week. I think that could happen easily um, just because of how we normally tend to do against tight ends. I think we locked down Jimmy Graham pretty well. I think we locked down, you know, Hayden Hurst. For the, but Hayden Hurst had some flashes last night where he showed that he could do stuff. Um, it's just we've had one of those games every year. These seasons seem to mirror each other in the last three years since we've had since Tepper's been the owner. Yep. Don't know if that's a coincidence or uh, if that's just, you know, happenstance, but uh, it's just, I think now that's like, I think, I think honestly the Panthers need to go into this. Like, I think they got in there. They're got too confident a little bit in themselves now where they started to think, Oh, we could be a contender. And I think that got to them a little bit. I think they need to go back to the mentality they had. We're like, look at, no one's expecting us to do anything. Let's just go out there and surprise them. This is you what, know what I mean? When you put videos out when you're two and two, this is, this is how it goes. If you, if you just play yeah. football and quit worrying about what we said, because I thought you were going to be ass, you you proved me wrong for a couple weeks. Just keep playing. Just keep winning. The only way you can answer any credit, like myself or anybody else, is to win, not videos. I, I, I you know, it's, yeah, it's, whatever. No, you're, you're right. Like it's it's. Uh, so I mean, it'll be interesting to watch, and I. I'm gonna be horrified the whole time. I'm not like I'm, actually, I'm not gonna go. And I think fans need to do the same thing. And we need to go into these games without any expectations for the rest of the season, uh, like we have, because I think fans as ourselves, <laughs> we, we fans as ourselves, got really confident in our team. Like, yo, we can make a playoff run. We can get that third wild card spot. And to be fair, I mean, th this game definitely hurt divisionally and definitely hurt for that chance. But it's still not out of reach, which is the wildest part in the NFC, which is how bad the NFC is right now. Um, it's still not out of reach. But I think as fans, we need to go into it now and be like, look, we just gotta, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm being an optimist for the rest of the year. I'm like, hey, look, I'm, in, you know, I'm taking the, 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 the organization route. I'm here to see what we have. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I'm here to do. Yeah, well, you think you talked about the playoffs, the NFC West. I mean, that you could have all four of those teams come out of that division and be in the playoffs. The NFC West is um, stout yeah. right now. So, but I think Shantice was right. Even at three and three, we sat there and said, hey, playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. Nope. Let's just get a couple more wins, build some confidence, and head to 2021. But, yeah, guys, I mean, we just got to keep watching. Um, and I know it wasn't the best outcome to start with the first podcast, first episode for this podcast, but I just want to reiterate how excited we are to get to do this. Um, we've got some really cool content coming up for you. Um, we'll kind of, if, you have, if you're just now like joining us and just now listening into the podcast, um, what we tend to normally do is we have – and like we kind of explained it, we'll have these podcasts the day after the game, giving you our, you know, we'll, we record the night after. Um, we didn't do it last night because I was a little late, but uh, we'll record right after. So it's all fresh in our minds. Get you that episode the next day. Um, and then we'll have some stuff throughout the week for you. We've got a couple different segments planned coming up. So stay tuned for that. And then on Fridays, Shantice, our video connoisseur over there, he'll be bringing you the key matchups, the X factors, and what, it, what he's seeing going into the, the game that weekend. So uh, just stay tuned to that. Um, we've got our Twitter. It's P1N underscore nation. We've got our Instagram, same thing, P1N underscore, uh, P1N underscore nation. Uh, we've got our YouTube channel. Through it's got, we've got two different ones. We'll have our episodes out on the Panthers Nation uh, YouTube channel that we're going to have. And then we're going to also have Shantice's segments and some other segments going out on Gem Dropper Sports. That's what his channel is. And so that's where his video is going to be getting put out of. So make sure to tune into that. Um, continue to follow, you know, and follow Panthers Nation as well with the one instead of an I and the end of Nation. And just to get all of your updates from um, a really awesome account. David, he does a lot of great work over there. And there's a lot of cool things brewing. And we're really excited to all be a part of it. And so um, until next time, guys. Keep pounding.